Welcome to Performer Talks. I'm your host, Bethany Unwin, and today I'm delighted to have Jess Parker with me. Jess is a performer, creative, teacher, and puppeteer. Thank you so much for joining us, Jess. Hey, good. Thanks for having me. That's absolutely my pleasure. I'm so excited to have you on. I actually know Jess. Um, we work together, and she's absolutely fabulous. So Jess, for all the listeners at home, please can you tell them a little bit about you, what you've done in your career and what you currently do? Okay, so um, I am a, I work currently as a creative um, in the musical theatre industry. So I trained at ArtZ um, back when I was 18. Um, I then graduated and I was really lucky enough to um have a couple of job offers uh, and I sure we'll talk about that further along but I was really lucky to have a couple of job offers um to go into and um I went on a UK tour and I spent about 10 years um doing uh UK tours of musicals um and West End and then in about 2016 um my creative door opened. So then I became a creative associate um, for a lot of directors and choreographers. So um, I'm either an associate director or associate choreographer. I kind of like dabble in both uh, fields because as a performer, I was always, um, I wasn't, uh, my strength sort of was all around. So um, I didn't lie. My, my preference wasn't in the dance realm and it, it, it wasn't in the acting or the singing. So I kind of was a good all-rounder. So it, it kind of allowed me to move into the creative industry easily. Um, and yeah, I just started assisting first of all. Then then I became associate for a lot, a lot of shows. Um, and I'm also a professional puppeteer and I became a professional puppeteer just because of my involvement with the show Avenue Q. Um, I was part of the 2014 first new production of Avenue Q that went on a UK tour with a production company called Cellador. So with that production company, um, it was a whole new production that was going out on the road. So uh, the director got to put their stamp on it, like a new stamp on the show and a bit of like freshness. Uh, from a different uh, perspective um, so that was really fun to create and obviously I'd never done puppeteering before so that was my step into puppeteering um, so yeah I've been puppeteering for from 2014 um, and now I still work as a creative associate so I also do things like installs for cruise ships so um, I've worked for Belinda King Associates um, so basically going on the ships with the casts, installing shows, uh, which is essentially doing the tech for each show. Um, when you go on a ship, uh, there's a lot of shows that the casts need to learn, um, six or seven, even eight. And sometimes on world cruises, there's 20 shows. It's crazy. So uh, my job as an installer would I go on the ship um, and tech all those shows, make sure the cast were okay, their welfare was okay, that they, everyone was um, well looked after, and if anybody hadn't done a ship before, sort of easing them in and showing them the way of the cruise life. Um, 
so I also do that as well so at the moment my sort of hands are sort of spread around everywhere um but yes essentially um, a creative associate professional puppeteer um and now in lockdown I have started my own puppetry company so I now teach the skill um of hand and rod puppetry and that's what I've been doing that's what I've been spending my lockdown doing really um so yeah that's that's essentially uh, what I've been doing I call myself a puppet teacher and not a puppeteer, a puppet teacher. So <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> yeah, so I sort of made up a word. <laughs> no, I love that. I think that's brilliant. That is you down to a T, a puppet teacher. I love it. <laughs> um, for all the listeners at home, obviously you've been in Avenue Q, you've been in Zoosicle and so many others. Are there any other like big moments where you were like, yes, that was the most amazing contract? Have you got ones that stick out for you so my very first job um when i i left art tech when i was 21 i worked when i was 18 left at 21 so my first job was obviously when we are training and when we kind of going through our skills we're learning we're training when you get that call to get your first job it's like amazing so for me my first job on a uk tour was incredible because I got to do what I wanted to do, earn money doing what I wanted to do, and I got to have fun on tour. And as you might know, when you're training in the business, you it's not like university where you go away and you get time off and you get classes off and periods off. It's really intense. So I'd spent three years being tired essentially (laughs) I've spent three years just wanting to be on a bed and not wanting to go out and not wanting to do anything and then that first UK tour was was really fun because I got to enjoy myself I got to do my job I got to socialize I wasn't tired anymore (laughs) so that was and I met my best friends my two best friends in, in the whole world I met on my first job so that is a really good thing that I've taken away from that first job. Um, and then my another highlight was um, Evita, and that was purely because um, not only did we tour the UK, but we toured uh, Germany and some of Switzerland and Sweden. So that's the good thing about um, the job is that when you get a tour, you get to travel, um, which is has got to be a, a massive highlight for me, um, traveling. Um, I've always wanted to travel. You know, you always kind of need the money for it, don't you? You always kind of need the, you have the money behind you to go, you know what, I'm going to go traveling, or you get paid to go and travel. So for me, uh, to get paid to go and travel, that was amazing. Oh, that's incredible. So you've had, obviously, those amazing, amazing contracts in an incredible list of shows. Was there a moment when you thought, this is it, I've made it? Or is there always that feeling of, right, what's next? Like, what do I have to do now? Yeah, I mean, that is a really good point because in our industry, as a performer, um, as Angelica says really famously, it's really hard to be satisfied. Like, it's really hard because I had my bucket list, my little bucket list that I had that, you know, you have in your mind when you're training and when you get your first job, you have this, like, bucket list. And I can guarantee for, for a lot of people, it's, I want to do a West End job. I want to do an original 
production, I want to do, I want to be part of a soundtrack, uh, an original soundtrack, a cast recording. I want to create a character. So I, there was one year that I got to tick a lot of stuff off. And as soon as I ticked it all off, I was kind of like, ah, I'm done. <laughs> because I'd kind of done all the things that I wanted to do. I'd done West End, tick. Then I'd done a cast recording, tick. I'd done, um, I created an original role, tick. So, you know, I, I'd done those things within one year, but before that, it was, it was like an itch that just wasn't satisfied. And all the time I was like, oh, I just, I'd had these amazing jobs and I was really, really lucky. And I, I, I really, you know, I'm so thankful for those opportunities um, that were given to me. However, I was still like, mm, but I still haven't done this and mm, I still haven't done that. Um, and I think it's a bit of an issue with us in the industry is that it's really, I don't know, it's really difficult to be satisfied and you're never happy and content with what you have. It's always like, I want more. And now I want even more and even more. And it's kind of, it never ends unless you are happy within yourself. So until you go, you know what? I'm, I'm really good with this. I've had so much fun and every contract you do, just really appreciate it and value it and be satisfied with that experience. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think that's such a good point that you've made because as well with self-employed performers, you know, when that contract's over, that's your income gone as well. So there always has to be that thought in your head of, right, what is next? But then it's hard because you want to enjoy every minute of being on a show. You want to absorb the atmosphere. So it, it must be quite hard to find the balance between, okay, now what do I need to do for my career? But also you know, enjoying the career that you're having. Yeah, it is it, it is a really hard balance. It's really, really tricky. And I think personally, because I am I'm coming towards 40 now. So for me personally, I've seen a lot of um of my peers come up that I went to Arts Ed with and, and other people that I've done jobs with. Some people do find it very hard to let go. Um of it because it's so ingrained in you that you want the next thing that you want the next thing you want the next thing that it's really actually hard to let go because even when you want to move on to something else you can't you've got this voice in the back of your head going but I'm not meant to do anything else this is all I'm meant to do with my life I'm not meant to do anything and it's really hard to just quiet down that voice and say okay you know this isn't forever this is just for now and then you could come back to it or, you know, you just, essentially, I always say you just have to do what makes you happy um, and quieten down the voice, of that, that voice that's constantly saying, what's next, what's next, what's next, because it can consume you. Absolutely. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there. You've got to do what is right for you. And if this maybe isn't right anymore, you don't need to put the pressure on yourself to actually do it. Like, do what makes you happy. Life's too short. <laughs> Um, so as we've briefly mentioned, you've had so many contacts, contracts that include puppeteering. So did you learn that skill for a job or did you get the first job because you had that skill? 
No, I got the job of Avenue Q. So I, I, my, my sort of, my love, my heart is Avenue Q really. And that's that when I started Avenue Q and I got the job in 2014, I knew nothing about puppetry apart from when I was little. And I used to do like puppets at home with, with my parents and, and my grandparents. Um, I knew nothing about puppetry and there were things we had to do workshops the casting process of Avenue Q is slightly different because it is there is a skill required as well as your talent and as well as you've been able to do voice work um, there is skill involved with that as well so it's slightly different the casting process but um, when I started that I didn't know anything and we actually went on a puppet workshop first like when we got the job before we started rehearsals we went on a puppetry workshop where we basically had to quickly learn the skill in a day so we just had a day to really get to grips and to handle with actually the techniques that are required and um, how to puppeteer in the correct way and then when we started rehearsals it was kind of a bit like just get on with it and get stuck in and as well as the director um the director was also the choreographer so she was both um we also obviously had the md so we had to learn all the songs uh, so you you know you get notes from the director notes from the choreographer they're telling you they're directing you they're sort of choreo choreographing the moves but on top of that you've also got the puppet director as well so um, I learned from Nigel Plaskett, who is an incredible puppeteer. He's, his career is amazing. It's spanned for so many years, and he's done so many amazing things, including working with Jim Henson, The Muppets. Uh, he worked on Labyrinth, uh, the film Labyrinth, Star Wars. Uh, he was the operator and the puppeteer for Monkey in the PG Tips advert. And he's now doing a program called Monty and Co that has just premiered on the weekend. It's a children's uh, puppet uh, show. So I learned from Nigel. Now he, uh, having a director, the choreographer, the MD, and now a puppet coach. So you're learning your lines, you're singing your songs, you're trying really hard. And then you've got this thing on your arm as well that you've got to, it is the important thing. That is essentially the most important thing. So yeah, it was really tough. Um, to, to, to yeah to learn that skill really fast on my feet and actually I learned the majority when I when we were on the road with with the show so as soon as I relaxed a little bit I could then have more fun and then I could play in the mirror a little bit more because I knew the skill I could then um, I learned what was what was making people laugh by a certain look that I would do or an action. So, and then I would grow on it and I'm like, oh, that works. Okay, let me see in the mirror. Oh yeah, it's actually quite good. So, or that really doesn't work. I'm trying to do something and it doesn't work. So scrap it. So you just kind of get a confidence uh, from being in the show really with it. And then I was, obviously I was in it for a really long time. So yeah, I guess, no, no puppeteer before. So did, did your skill and obviously your amazing credit of being in Avenue Q, did that then lead and open other doors for you that you never thought of previously? Well, it was actually Avenue Q um, that led to my creative roles because I was with Avenue Q as a performer and a puppeteer. And then about a year 
later, I was made resident director. So I was on stage resident director, um, which is kind of unheard of a little bit. Usually your resident director will be um, sort of dipping and out and do show watches, but they won't necessarily be part of the cast. Um, I knew the show, the back of my hand, my particular role in the show, I operated every single puppet, every single one I, I operated because the other puppeteers were throwing their voices and I would be sinking to their voices. So I got a handle of every single puppet in that show. So it was kind of uh, the role was needed on the tour. It, it did need someone to take over as kind of a creative responsibility for the show, not only for the actors, but for the lighting, the sound, everything. So just to have a, a sort of spokesperson and a voice, a creative voice from the director's point of view. So that's when that door opened, really. Um, and then from that, after I finished that particular contract, that's when I went on to other shows as assistant director, as assistant choreographer, and then it just snowballed until um, the latest production of a new queue where I was, I'm associate. So I'm a show associate director now of that particular tour of Avenue Q. And um, so it kind of snowballed really from being resident director in Avenue Q again and just learning on the job really. And That's learning from other jobs that I've done in my career and learning from other creatives. So I basically took things that I liked from other creatives, things that I didn't necessarily like, um, and sort of moulded it together to create a role that I um, thought would work with my peers and, and also with other people that I work with. So head of departments, like head of lighting, head, head of sound, um, being able to have a discussion with someone and talk about the show creatively and what went wrong but then equally just go and have a beer with them in the pub afterwards and it all be fine. So it was, it's kind of a skill that I kind of honed from other people really in my experience of, of doing shows. I mean, it must be so difficult to have that because you're in that authority role, but then you're also a member of the cast. So it must be so hard to find that balance between when do I give them a note and when do I, you know, not say anything because it's not my place I guess it must be just really difficult to balance when you're on stage and doing the bits off stage as well <laughs> yeah and I think I again from experience from seeing people in that position and seeing anybody like a dance captain for example I, I saw lots of dance captains and, and, and that kind of thing but seeing um what I liked about that and what I didn't like in people so my main thing was never know anyone uh in the half so as soon as the half came, there was there was a rule for me. My personal rule is never ever know anyone if you're in the half. Um, I would always, if I had anything to say, it would always be after we'd done warm up on stage, and then I would just have, like the company manager does, have five minutes with the cast just to sort of say anything. Um, so I would keep it like that really and also when I was in the show so there is no way that I would ever ever give a note during the show like, it's a big no-no for me it's a massive no-no people are doing their job um so yeah you kind of you have to give them the respect to do their job on stage and do their profession and then the next day during warm-up like I said I'd use that opportunity to five minutes just catch a word with them or go to their dressing room and just have five minutes before the half um, so I would, I would make it very clear and I would never talk shop really outside of that environment 
That's amazing. It sounds like you are such a lovely person to work with. I mean, I know firsthand that you are. Um, but when you're on a show, like that's such a difficult role. So people must have really, really respected you for that because it must be really hard to try and balance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably so, from my back saying, oh, God, I hate <laughs> I really doubt that. You're one of the loveliest people ever. So I'm sure that <laughs> they didn't. But um, so as you said earlier, like with being um, a resident director and also part of the cast, you knew the show because you had to dip in and out for other people. Um, with a show like Avenue Q, you've got massive heavy puppets on you. You are pushing your voice to the extreme to do these brand new, unique voices that you would never probably use in everyday life. Um, so does there take an extra amount of self-care? Is there other things that you have to think about, not just rest, but so many other things that you have to consider as well when doing a show like that? Yeah, so um, as a sort of side little thing, we had a, an we had local physiotherapists that would visit us every couple of weeks. So we'd have like a week off, a week on, a week off, a week on, on tour. So we would be booked by the company manager with a local physiotherapist. And it would either be, well, it would be for what we needed. So we'd either just need a good uh, sports massage um, or we'd need some new exercises because we were finding something was hurting that it shouldn't be hurting. Um I'm actually marrying a physiotherapist, which is so bizarre because I spent so long seeing one every other week for so many years. And then I met one and now I'm marrying one. And he actually calls it my, well, my S-H-I-T, shoulder. <laughs> so he calls it my rubbish shoulder um, because it's it's kind of, it's taken its toll on my on my muscles in my right arm shoulder muscles. Um, so what, Obviously, the physiotherapists, they give us exercises to do, um, and there are exercises to do, and my warm-up, because I would also run the warm-up for the cast, so I would make it quite um, arm-related and arm-heavy, so I would do a lot of arm-strengthening exercises in my warm-up, and not so much focus on limbering our legs, because we don't need to, we don't need to worry about that, we're not dancing around the place, we're just, you know, our real focus is our arms and looking after our hands our thumbs our joints um so yeah we had a lot of uh, rubber band exercises that we used to do um and yeah really just being reminded of, of the correct muscles to engage while puppeteering um because it's really easy as soon as your arm gets tired you just focus on that sort of like the bicep part whereas it really should come from the back the back muscles the back um, so yeah, it, it, it's strenuous on a physical point of view, and then obviously on a vocal point of view. Um, I mean, the, no one ever really had a problem because with Avenue Q, they do tend to hire people that do voiceover work as well, like people who do voices and that can do accents and voices and and can play around with the vocal tones. Um, but the one role that if anybody's going to struggle, it's this role, is the role of Nikki and Trekkie. Because on one one side of it, he has to, um, oh, hey, hey, like this. So it's swallowed. It's like a swallowed sound, like Kermit the Frog. So, oh, hey, guys. So it's really swallowed. Um, 
and he has to sing like that as well so he he not only has to speak like that he has to sing like that so that is the challenge of that voice and then also that actor has to puppeteer for trekkie monster which is the cookie monster voice like really growly like uh really growly voice um I can't really do it. <laughs> I was going to try then, but then I thought that would be embarrassing. Uh, but yeah, it's a really deep, growly, growly voice. Um, and that those that actor has to stay in those two voices throughout the show. So if I saw any sort of vocal issues, it would always be um, with that uh, particular role, that actor playing that role. And they just had to look after their voice a little bit more than any of the rest of us. Um, because the girl role of Kate Lucy, um, it's just different pitching and it's just different accent. Um, and the role of Rod and Princeton, Princeton is just normal American. Um, and then Rod is just a bit nasal. So, um, it's kind of okay, but that role of Trekkie and Nikki is, is hard. It's a hard vocal role. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it does sound like it takes a lot of extra. I mean, there's so many extra skills that you need, but within the vocals, I can imagine. I mean, if I do a lot of twang, I know my voice gets a little bit like, oh, stop doing that. So I can't imagine how they must feel to have to sing like that all the time. It must be really draining. And I know that the only tricky thing with Kate and Lucy, because I covered, I was covered for Kate and Lucy that particular role, and the only with that you have script obviously and in a scene there were a few scenes where Kate and Lucy were talking to each other so I would be on stage with Lucy and the actress playing both roles and voicing both roles would be on stage with Kate so she would say oh hey so Kate's voice is really high and oh it's Hager high so it's, it's nice and high but then Lucy is really, really growly and really sort of like it's it's just a totally different and you have to go up and down, up and down. So that was quite challenging to switch a voice in a sentence. Like literally not even a pause, just go. So that that was it's not vocal acrobats really. That's amazing, yeah. It must be it must be quite hard work, I have to say. Um so as a performer what job, contract, or period of time taught you most about not only yourself as a performer, but you as a person? Oh, gosh. You know what? I think, I I genuinely think that I wouldn't be the person that I am today without every single one of those jobs. Because it's like life, isn't it? You learn something from every opportunity that comes your way you learn something from every new uh, cast member that you meet new friendship that you form new md new director and you meet and you sort of you go through all the contracts learning something and, and picking something up and then taking it to your next contract and then picking something up and then taking it to the next so i i do feel like my whole career has taught me who i am now um, and I'm, I'm really, I'm so happy with who I am now. I, I probably wasn't when I first left Art Sets. That's, that's, you know, different. I didn't realise it, but it kind of might have come across in auditions. But I, I kind of now, I'm really just happy with myself. But it's taken a lot of years 
and learning of different uh, people uh, to get there. Um, but I think my first job, actually, if I was going to learn anything, um, was my first job because when I got my first job, which was Kiss Me Kate, it was a big UK tour. It had just been in the West End and it was going on this big national tour. And I got offered swing. Now, I I was like, what now? What? What's the swing? Because at that point, Art said they do do swing classes now, but at that point, when I was there, there was no swing classes. So I, <laughs> I remember having to go and have private tuition with some tutors at Art said in my lunch break when I was due to leave because my job was starting a week after we left college. So I had to go and have like really intense like lunchtime showing me how to make a Bible, showing me what is needed, like showing me how to make the dots and how to how to keep keep the tracks of different different um, cast members on stage. So that for me was really challenging because I didn't know anything about swinging and I had to learn six different female tracks. Um, and they were really, if you know Kiss Me Kate, there's a song called Too Darn Hot. And that song was like 12 minutes long. And the first half of the song, each girl has a different pas de deux and different lift section with each boy. So I had to learn each separate lift and then learn how each different boy would want to hold me or likes to lift. So that, that was really challenging because each boy likes it a different way and how to be how they wanted my weight, where they wanted it, and how much they wanted it my weight, or how much they didn't want any of my weight, or so it was very, very um, tricky to get that right. Um, and you know, I remember one day I was in the we were in the show. And it was midway through the show. We'd only been open a couple of weeks, and there was one dance roll that I hadn't quite finished so I, I was kind of studying it but I hadn't quite finished so I didn't know her role inside out and I remember being stood in the wing watching what was going on on stage and then I just remember seeing the wardrobe department running around the side of the stage with just costumes and I was like oh what's going on what's going on there and they just were then they came around the corner and ran at me with all her stuff and were like she's fainted she's fainted in the toilet get her stuff on so I just had to and then she had a huge solo she had a huge dance solo in this big it was a wine crushing scene and she had a huge solo and I was like oh my god I literally don't know what it is <laughs> but you know the pressure of it I did I did actually know what it was I just had to do it I just had to get her stuff on and get on stage and just do it I mean so, yeah, swings was- I've got so much respect for they have to learn twice as much three times as much, four times as much as everyone else. They have to be prepared and be able to rehearse on their own. Even if there's part of their sections, the leads might be working with them. So they might not be able to practice. So they've got to then practice on the side on their own. And then they've just got to be ready at the drop of a hat to just change what their thought process is of that entire show and just step into a new role. I mean, credit to Swings because that is such hard work. So what advice would you give to aspiring performers? If someone was listening to this and they are wanting to go into the industry, what would your big advice be to anyone who wants to do this? 
Um, I think that my my advice is to a little bit like what I said before. Don't be afraid and always be yourself. Like, don't be afraid to be yourself. Uniqueness actually appeals to a panel more than you would even imagine. I spent a lot of my time when I first graduated arts ed trying to be what they wanted me to be in an audition room. Um, And actually, your job is to do that when you sing your song or when you do your do your stuff but when you walk in the room bring yourself and bring your personality because that is what makes you unique and that is what the panel wants to see and i think i've only really learned that since i've been on the other side so since i've been on panels for all the stuff that i've been working on as a creative i've sat through so many auditions now and Honest to God, as soon as somebody walks in and they're themselves, you can tell. And you can tell for sure when someone isn't and they're coming. They just come in and like, hello, how are you today? And it's not about that. It's not about that kind of, obviously, be polite. But we can you can kind of see who's being unique and genuinely themselves. Um, and, and someone who is trying to fit a mould. So I think my advice would be never try and fit a mould embrace your uniqueness bring it into the room and bring it to the panel before you start your audition amazing you're walking in the room you're you're auditioning but the panel just want to see that you're a good nice fun person they don't want to see your audition piece walking across the room they want to see your audition piece when you start to sing or when you start to do your speech you want we want to see them when they walk in a room People invest in people. Absolutely amazing advice. So to all the performers out there who are wanting to do this, be you from Jess. That's amazing advice. Thank you so much. So just before we finish, um, in lockdown, you started running Parker Poppetry. And I've seen you actually take these workshops firsthand. I have to say, there is so much detail to this skill. It's like a whole other other skill entirely to acting I mean puppetry is so different and the way that you develop it is so interesting because I watched you with different age groups and develop it over days I saw the progression and it was just fantastic to watch I learned a lot it was fab um so can you tell listeners at home what your workshops involve who they're right for and how they can get in touch with you if they want to book a workshop yeah so my workshops are for hand and rod puppetry which is what I did in Avenue Q, which is what you will know essentially as the Muppets, Sesame Street. So your classic hand and rod puppet is a character like Elmo, Kermit the Frog. Um, I started these workshops as a favour for a friend and now it's gone crazy and I'm teaching all kinds of different ages and all kinds of different people. I'm teaching children, I'm teaching colleges, universities, theatre schools, and I also have my small Zoom classes for my adults. So they are adult actors um, who basically want to add it to their CV um, to say that they've got it as a skill. Uh, I, When I started doing this, I really quickly realised that it it's not a skill that's taught in the UK very much. Um, in America,
Monaco, it's really huge because of Jim Henson and the Sesame Street and the Muppets and, and all the films that have the, the puppets, puppetry. But in the UK, it's kind of, yeah, I've kind of uh, realised that it's not very taught. So what I've done is I've developed classes that run on a kind of avenue syllabus. So my Avenue A is for beginners. My Avenue B is called Master of the Sink, which is further sink exercises. My Avenue C is Express Yourself. So it's all about how we put expression into the puppets, how to make it laugh, how to make it cry, how to uh, sigh and breathe. Um, Avenue D is Raise Your Voice because some uh, people will struggle how to do character voices. So that one's more of a, like a character voice experiment. Um, class um, and then from there we've got rod work um, and then my final class uh, for everyone to sort of do their graduation when they've been moving through their avenues is like an ultimate lip sync like a puppet sync off um, where all my people in the classes will, can do have the opportunity to sync um, along to a song and make their puppets all come alive uh, in a performance which is the goal really we want them to be able to perform with uh, a puppet um, so yes, so, um, and also, you know, even last year, there was five or six musicals on the road that had this type of puppetry. Um, we had Madagascar, Avenue Q, Elma, The Elephant, so the children's sort of musicals as well, as well as all stuff that's in development right now uh, coming out in the future that has hand and rod puppets. So yeah, I think it's a really important skill to, to sort of, have into your belt especially if you're a character performer or you can do voices um so yes parker puppetry and um i have uh, the website you can go on the website and look at the avenue structures it's it's all explained on the website that's just parkerpuppetry.com um i'm on instagram and twitter and facebook uh, you can get me more social channels um and what happens is I just run classes through the month and then I announce them on my social media platforms like when they're being announced. And then I also do private lessons as well for people who just want a one-on-one -on -one, um, or they want to work on an avenue just on their own or they want to do a TikTok. I do a lot of like TikTok performances like for people who want to work on a YouTube performance or TikTok. Um, so yeah, that's, that's just see my socials and head to the website and then... Or email me. My email's on the, um, it's just hello at parkerpuppetry.com uh, and email me with anything. Amazing. So guys, if you want an extra string to add to your bow or a workshop to book for your performing arts school or you just want to find something new, then head over, follow Jess at Parker Puppetry. I'm going to put her Instagram handle in the bio below um, this podcast so you can easily find out. I'm also going to, obviously, when this podcast is published, I'm going to be putting it up on my Instagram. So if you're unsure, you can head over to our Instagram and Jess will be on there as well with her Parker Puppetry site. So thank you, a massive, massive thank you to Jess because you've given up your time today to share amazing industry knowledge and experience with us. So thank you so, so much for joining us, Jess. been an absolute pleasure thank you everyone for listening please leave a review down below don't forget to subscribe to this podcast thank you so much for listening i've been bethany and win and you've been listening to performer talks <laughs>